Hello, welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode 45, How to Date a Shaman, <laughs> which is a, kind of a funny title for, I think, anything, um, and we are excited to be here. I am Katherine Bird, and I am with my dear shaman sister, Michelle Hawk, and we created this podcast out of our talks that we were having regularly about our practices, um, our work in the world, our personal life, uh, pretty much anything and everything. And those conversations were so uh, fun and amazing and insightful that we decided to make them public and to bring you topics every week. And I believe that we are pretty much almost to our an exact anniversary of doing this podcast. So 45 episodes over the last year. Um, it's quite an accomplishment. So yay us. Next year will be our year anniversary. Or no, not next year. Next week will be our year anniversary. Yeah. yeah. So how to date a shaman. Okay. So, uh, you know, Michelle and I are both uh, practitioners. We're both women uh, <laughs> who had the, the pleasure and sometimes the misfortune of being uh, single and dating over the years. And uh, we know, you know, what I was, I was writing today in my post about this was really about how many super powerful, fully activated, amazing, incredible, not just women, but a lot of women, um, you know, practitioners, psychics, shamans, all of these people that I know who are single, who have their own challenges with the dating scene, uh, as it were, like there are some specific challenges that we come across. And, um, so I, you know, we wanted to, to kind of dive into this to both, uh, kind of give some reflection and some support to those who are practitioners and are going through some things that might seem a little um, like, oh, maybe this is just me. And uh, we, can, we can all collaborate on the fact that it's not just you. And then also for those who either kind of uh, are, are in the community and maybe actively dating someone who would describe themselves in this way or um, or interested in, in dating someone who is described this way and maybe is feeling a little intimidated or not really sure exactly, you know, what they should be, um, you know, Googling in order to <laughs> figure us out. <laughs> Absolutely. We're looking at this from both sides of the relationship. And also, Kat, it's funny, as I was thinking about this episode today, uh, everything that I was coming to mind just seemed like good general dating advice to me. So, I mean, you know, we're going to get into some of the specifics and I think some things are particularly unique to dating a shaman or dating a practitioner. And yet most of it honestly is just basic common sense and good dating practices anyway, like boundaries. That's a good thing. Um, we'll, we'll get more into that, but, uh, yeah, it's, I, this topic is personally relevant right now, I think, for, for both of us. Um, what's that crackling noise? Is that coming on your end? I don't hear it. Okay. Is it the microphone or maybe speaker? Or? It stopped now, but it was coming through a little bit. And um, it turned down my volume a little bit. So okay. Maybe. It, here, maybe I'll turn down mine a tiny bit, too. Eventually, we'll have an official 
you know, recording studio where everything will be very <laughs> fancy. Oh yeah, spotless audio quality. <laughs> Woo, let's call that in. Um, but this this particular topic, how to date a shaman, I think is relevant to both of us in, in general, but specifically right now. Um, and it actually came about to share share with you viewers. I've been seeing somebody, just started seeing somebody recently who told me the other day that uh, that she Googled how to date a shaman. And I sat bolt upright and said, and what did you find? And she said, nothing. So I was completely astonished by that. I thought it was sweet. And so now we're talking about it because I think that needs to be out there. There's videos for everything these days. There is. So we might, we might write a book about it and that'll be like our famous thing that we do and it'll blow up and right. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> be like, that's what we're known for, really? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's too much going on. I, I want to be known for other things. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think personally, um, I've always been a big dater. Um, you know, uh, before, before my spiritual awakeness, especially, I just dated a ton. I was always like lots of uh, relationships and love interests and dating. I always uh, found a lot of pleasure from it in certain ways and found it interesting and meeting new people and so on and so forth. Um, but I definitely, uh, the more spiritual that I became, uh, the more challenging it was to uh, meet people who could relate to me um, and, you know, have conversations and um, be able to kind of understand where I was coming from. Uh, and, you know, I know that I definitely have been on quite a few dates where the person across from me is looking at me like I am from another planet. And they just, like, I'm an oddity that they've, you know, they're just sideshow oddity that they're just, like, have no idea what to say on when I'm trying, when I'm actually explaining what I do in a very, I feel, mainstream uh, sort of way. And as they ask questions and kind of dig deeper, it, it does often sound a little bit more and more uh, outside their comfort zone in a way that makes it very hard to connect. So I definitely have had that experience mm -hmm. quite a few times <laughs> until I, I very much got to the point where I, uh, you know, started to enact better boundaries in order to not have that happen and do a lot more um, sort of uh, vetting of people so that that didn't become my experience because usually I just felt like really unseen and unheard and and kind of just not really able to connect to that person as as maybe I would have liked to so it felt kind of disappointing mm -hmm. yeah I think uh, you're probably speaking to a lot of people in that experience I I uh, in terms of my dating history I have dated I think much less just because there was always this alien feeling for me and so even though you know I do I have my dating history just as anyone I have always been super picky about that and it's it, it can be a little bit challenging to find someone who uh, you know given my, my 
list of criteria that I have of like, okay, they have to believe in magic. Magic is real. They have to, um, you know, not think I'm crazy for being psychic. They have to, and like, honestly, those two, that crosses a lot of people off the list right there. So, so there's, um, you know, kind of this inherent, what, um, what, what is the vibration that we're looking to match with? Kat, like you were saying, just feeling that there wasn't this potential for connection merely by the fact of, you know, these inherent limiting factors of, oh, you are so foreign to me, so outside my comfort zone that I don't even know how to speak the same language as you. Right. And there are people who sort of almost, uh, what do you call that? They're uh, fetishizing us in a certain kind of way where we're so outside the norm that they're attracted, they're interested. They're like, oh, magic, that's interesting. That's, that's powerful. Like, I, I really, I feel your power and I want to be near that. I want to be involved with it. But there's not a lot of, of being able to uh, have a connection and understanding. And this is not to say that you have to be super spiritual. You have to be, you know, a shaman. You have to be a psychic. Like, you have to have these certain skills and gifts in order to um, you know, date someone who is that way. That's not the case at all. Uh, currently, um, the man that I've been with for the last two years, he's not, he's spiritual, definitely conscious, but he works in the movie industry and he's an artist and a creator and builder. And, um, you know, while has a, a certain spirituality and consciousness is not involved in this world at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to, to that same end, I have never dated a, an actual practitioner. And, you know, so the, the men who I have been with and the people who I have dated, there has been a consistent awareness of spiritual practice and personal practice. And yet none of them have been practitioners in, in this particular field. So, and that's okay. You don't want to date someone who's just like you anyway. That's fine. And yet, so what are some of these, um, I, I'm kind of curious. We can go at this, you know, in several different ways. We're going to be talking about it from our perspective as the practitioner. We'll be talking about it from the perspective of the non-practitioner. Um, but what are some of the most important things, Kat, that you can think of? Like some of the, the must-haves or must-be-willing-to-have or do in order to date someone who is a practitioner in the world? <sighs> And also, I want to clarify too. So we're speaking about this in the romantic sense, and yet everything we're saying applies to friendship as well. If you are looking to have a, you know, this a really healthy dynamic relationship in the friend capacity, uh, then everything we're saying still applies because all of those dynamics are still there. Well, I think number one is an openness and a curiosity, um, because uh, you know we're just a little bit different. And, you know, we sometimes are having experiences that are very outside of the normal uh, experiences that people have. And sometimes we like to share those experiences. And, and um, sometimes we are doing things uh, that might just seem a little bit, you know, different. Um, I don't want to, like, I'm trying not to say, like, weird or <laughs> whatever, but... Well, but it, it might seem weird to yeah, be fair. it might seem weird and be like, oh, okay, uh, why are you doing that? And, um, you know, there's a, 
a lot of us have a certain amount of uh, kind of this shame and uh, worry and fear around being different. Uh, it, it is from our childhoods, it's from past lives. We have uh, a fear of being judged. Uh, you know, some of us have, have faced ridicule and abandonment and, and all of these different things and not received love for being different. So, um, you know, when we can find someone who's just a fuck yes for accepting us the way that we are, like, okay, wow. So I know that on the full moon, you're going to be off doing this thing. Got it. Um, and that's amazing. And, you know, just to kind of have that openness and curiosity to ask questions. If, if you don't know what this person may be, sometimes maybe we're, we're talking about an aspect of our work or an aspect of our experiences and you don't have a context for that, that, that isn't what your experience is then just a willingness to maybe ask questions and be interested and engaceive in it, not like, well, that's not my experience, so I don't just, you know, like, it's not right for me to ask questions. Like, we're general, generally, you know, want to share our lives and be open about the things that we're experiencing in a certain kind of way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To that, I would also say on, on the flip side, curiosity going the other way too, you know, so it, and this is admittedly a, a little bit of shadow in certain respects for myself and for plenty of other people I know who do work in this field where I, I love what I do so deeply. This is my favorite thing to think about, to talk about that sometimes um, I can it can be a little bit of a practice for me to maintain that same level of curiosity um, going the other way as well for someone who's not doing this work there, you know, there's magic exists in many forms. So again, even though um, this might not be the thing, like, you know, some, um, for example, the last, uh, the last relationship I had was with a filmmaker and I don't speak film. I don't know what he was doing, editing all this stuff. And yet it was a practice for me to maintain the uh, the curiosity and the interest in his particular brand of magic, which was very different from mine. Yeah, that's that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I want to I I want to I don't know if this is the place to speak about it. What are we What are we saying now? What's our question here that you're asking? How did they or what are the um, what are kind of the really important things? The important things. The yeah. important things. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to move forward into something else until we kind of clear clear close one up. Yeah. Um. Now, I want to talk about energetic sensitivity and um, and the different pieces entailed with that. So, like boundaries and communication, particularly. Okay. Great. Uh, because I think that's a that is a gold star one for any relationship. The person, if you are dating a spiritual practitioner or a shaman or an energy worker, they are probably going to have a greater degree or a different degree of energetic sensitivity than you are. It doesn't mean that they're making stuff up. It doesn't mean that what they're experiencing isn't real. It, it's a different level of subtlety. It's a different layer of perception. So think, for example, there's, um, it's really easy to think about, okay, if you're dating a blind person you're, who does not have their, their physical vision, you're going to have different layers of perception than they are, and they're going to have different layers of perception as you. So their hearing might be better, or, you know, but obviously you have your sight. So there's this inherent, like, 
you have a sense that they do not have and vice versa. And it is really, really important to remember that it's real. It is super real and it's, it directly informs their experience. So if, you know, and I've had this happen for me where I feel something, I feel something energetically that the other person does not. And it created a certain degree of tension where this was my experience. It was real for me. And I took it upon myself to communicate that, but it wasn't received very well because it wasn't real for the other person. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I would say that for our practitioners, our psychics, those that are in this work, if, if you start dating someone and it's a, it's a huge red flag. If you get this, this experience that they don't believe you, they don't believe what you say or what you're experiencing. They try to discount your experience. Um, you have an intuitive hit about something and they're like, no, no, that's not what's going on. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of, uh, you know, there's, there's all this like gaslighting right out there in in relationship land. And this can be a very, um, damaging relationship, a dynamic for those that do have intuitive and psychic gifts, because it can make you doubt yourself and doubt everything and shut things down that, that, that might be, you know, blossoming and expanding within you and making me feel confused. So I think that there's that. Let's define that term, cat gaslighting. And I mean, you kind of talked around it, but not everyone knows what that means. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's basically when someone is um, telling you that what you're experiencing is not true or real. So they might be doing something or sometimes it's even someone's having and doing an action or they're saying something and then later on when you're like well this is the action that you had or what you did or what i for our cases what i felt was happening and then they're like no 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 that's not what happened that's not what i said that's not what went on um and it can it actually is very crazy making it makes you feel crazy like okay i am not remembering things right i'm not feeling things right i'm not uh, I, there's something wrong with me. And over time, it can be a very damaging, uh, relationship dynamic to, to be in with someone. So early warning signs of that and really paying attention is important. And a lot of, uh, you know, intuitive psychics, energy workers, honestly, we sometimes have a tendency to get into relationships with people who who employ these tactics and really bring down um, both our vibrational frequency and our trust and faith in ourselves and our, and our guests. Absolutely. And just to give you a little clue into what we're talking about next week, that, that is our topic. We're speaking about predators in the spiritual community. So I think it's interesting. We're doing these back to back. Number one, how to date a shaman is a good thing. And then next week, but maybe don't. (laughs) Right. Uh, so the, and exactly what you were describing, describing cat uh, is really typical of um, sociopathic. Right. Narcissists. And there are lots of articles uh, online around narcissists being in this relationship dynamic with empaths and how they, they sort of end up coming together and how destructive that can be. Exactly. And the person may not know they're doing it. 
Yeah. It, it might be completely innocent. It might be, you know, so say they're not a sociopath, they're not a narcissist, and yet they're still using this emotionally manipulative behavior because that's what it is, emotionally manipulative for whatever reason. Maybe your intuitive gifts are triggering something for them and it's making them really afraid. So they're trying to shut you down because they don't want to look at whatever's going on in themselves. I mean, that's, that's not an evil thing. It's a fear based thing. And yet it is, uh, it, it is still under this umbrella of emotionally manipulative and energetically manipulative behavior. Yeah. And can I, can we, I know we probably have other things to say here, but can we, you just brought up something that was so important. Uh, um, around oh my gosh i've totally forgotten it so maybe it wasn't that important uh <laughs> what did you say uh it was something that's that's really important around um the way that we engage in relationships and i have completely completely lost it out of my brain it just went flying out <laughs> it'll come back it'll come back yeah you know it. So, so with that, with the energetic sensitivity and the awareness comes the making it actionable, which is around the communication. Because all of this, and this is what I say in regards to any psychic practice or any energetic practices, it is completely useless unless you can put it into practice in your lived experience. And the same is true in the relationship realm where, okay, I might be getting these psychic dings over here or these, uh, these intuitive hits or this, these feelings. But unless I communicate it, unless I am willing to speak it, even if it's really, really vulnerable for me, it's not helpful. So then that comes, there's this layer of accountability of being very impeccable, very clear in speaking the truth and being transparent in the feelings on both sides. And sometimes uncomfortable things will come up and need to be said. So for example, um, this, you know, whatever fears might be arising around this interplay, this um, unknown realm for both parties, being honest about those fears, which inherently makes it less scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And sort of tying both of these things together is the aspect of the trigger, right? That we're triggering each other. And as healers, uh, we are, we are, perhaps some of the most triggering people that there are because those triggers are openings towards healing. They're opening the wound. They're opening the, you know, maybe the stuff that's coming up around, Oh, my religion when I was young and what I was told about people who spoke in tongues. Oh my gosh, like that's a big deal. And then now you're speaking in tongues. Like this is crazy to me. Um, I've never heard anybody do that. And I've always heard that it was evil. I mean, that's, that's a really big deal that needs to be dealt with. Um, and so, you know, as you know, we are triggerers, we trigger people into healing in some ways. And so that's going to happen in your relationship. I know that I've seen it happen in my relationships. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes, so I guess this is like the stamp, the warning stamp, like getting involved with a practitioner in this kind of way. Uh, can be highly transformative. Uh, it, can, it can really mess you up in that all of a sudden you're looking at yourself more deeply and you're dealing with some of your, you know, maybe childhood stuff and your early wounds. And, and we are transmuters and, and we are uh, those that push healing through more uh, 
quickly than perhaps other people. And you already know, like most, all relationships, they're challenging, they push your buttons, they bring up your stuff, and they uh, hopefully make you look at yourself and evolve. And relationships with us can kind of put that into hyperdrive for some people. So it can feel a little, um, you know, crunchy just to be in the experience because we are designed and trained in shifting energy and dealing with emotions and looking at stuff from the past and processing and all of these things that we're, you know, doing on a daily basis. So when you're jumping in, you're, you might be jumping in for some transformation through the process. Absolutely. So I think that's be open for transformation. (laughs) I love that. The warning stamp, like dating a healer might cause you to experience radical transformation. Boom. Yeah. I, um, I wrote a thing. I don't even know if I put it out, but that, um, you know, I was looking at the, the experience in my relationship that I had over, especially the first year that we were together and, um, and or a year and a half and and a lot of the things that came up for him and for me and uh you know that a lot of times as healers and practitioners and and we will have this idea that our partner needs to be the ultimate divine masculine or you know for men probably this ultimate person who woman who has done all their work is completely healed and whole who has um you know already transcended all of their shadow and all of these things and i see a lot of single people who are sort of holding up this ideal that they're going to meet this person who's going to fit all of this criteria before they can open themselves to be in relationship and yet we tend to forget that we are the we are the ones who who do that work like that being in relationship with us might be giving that person complete access to becoming that divine masculine or feminine um completely whole and healed individual that you really want to be in relationship with and it it, you know and that when we enter in relationship with someone their shit might totally come up big time all of their stuff because we're like we're healers so we're we're instigating it we're like lighting the fire just by being around us their shit might come up super strong and then you know oftentimes then we're like oh they hadn't done their work oh they weren't uh in full alignment oh they uh they weren't meeting me um oh they they weren't the full expression when in reality if we could you know be present with the process that this person maybe is going through we might end up getting exactly what we've always dreamed of and exactly what we want Mm -hmm. um and i think think, that's important i think you're speaking to a really interesting and important shadow side of the uh the spiritual practitioner who is in the relationship realm where there's this um there can be some messy power dynamics are we ready to shift into talking about some of that yeah please okay cool that feels like that's where we're going there can be some potentially messy power dynamics that come into play 
in the relationships on both sides. Uh, I want to speak a little bit about some of the victim energy that can come through when as a spiritual practitioner and I, um, I was in an abusive relationship a, a few years ago or several years ago and I, I've had a couple of these relationships actually several years ago when at a point in my life when for whatever reason I was feeling some resistance into stepping into the full expression of my gifts and my uh, my psychic path, my work. And so I somehow found the, the perfect person for me to date who would sidetrack me from my path. And I was doing it as a, a self-sabotage. I was putting myself in potentially harmful and actually kind of harmful situations and damaging situations that knocked me off my ability to be psychic, knocked me out of my ability to do my work in the world because there was some part of myself very deep down that wasn't quite ready. So that's a, and I've seen this in other people too, is who, who are you calling into your life? Again, either in the romantic sense or friendship sense or um, in your family or whatever, like what relationships are you perpetuating because of some aspect of fear? Like, okay, I'm going to keep the people around me who keep me small because I'm really afraid of how big I actually am. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Um, really important to look at and uh, not always the easiest one to, to look at for sure. Um, you know, speaking of power, so an, another piece that for me, I'm just going to speak my personal experience is that I have a lot of power. So, um, you know, when, when people meet me, sometimes they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of the things that people remark about and have for a very long time that I have a lot of power or, um, actually my partner, he's funny because, um, you know, we'll, we'll go out or be at a event or whatever. And, or he'll be wherever he is in LA and he will say that, um, he's dating me and like, he's like pretty much 10 times out of 10. They're like, Oh cat. Yes. Oh my gosh. She's so powerful. Um, and <laughs> you know, his response is yes, she is. <laughs> and so there is this, uh, sometimes this power that we have, which, and I know Michelle, you have this, you have this, uh, you exude this power. And so it can actually be a great deterrent to people approaching us or talking to us or asking us out or, you know, uh, being our friend, uh, you know, asking us, you know, about our day, uh, really, because we sort of have, you know, we're teachers and facilitators. So we have this certain power dynamic where, uh, you know, we are a certain way. And I know personally, I have over the years very much utilize this power dynamic to keep people away from me, to keep mm -hmm. people from really knowing me, from seeing my vulnerabilities or my weaknesses, from, uh, uh, you know, getting close. I, I have very much used this. And, um, but the truth is that once you get to know me, like I'm always super silly and fun and, and after, you know, a little while, like I soften and become much more feminine, but it, it takes someone at first I'm, I'm like, okay, wait, I'm like, just so you know, I could kick your ass right now. 
like physically or energetically, I can take you. Um, and then it takes me a little while to open up and then I'm very like fun and playful and, and have a, you know, a certain like childlike nature and, and play and, and creativity is really important to me. Um, and softness, but it takes a minute to get there. So I think, you know, what I'm probably saying here is that not always is what is seen on the outside is that the full expression of what it is you're going to get in that person. So maybe be willing to invest the time and the attention and the energy into really getting to know this person. Um, and then letting yourself be delighted and appreciative of their the parts of themselves that they actually don't show the world, the parts of themselves that maybe are that more vulnerable, soft space that they're, that they're able to, you know, land into. I think you're speaking to a really important aspect of the, the inner workings of the practitioner, or at least the practitioner who has a certain degree of, I don't know exactly what the word I want to use is because it's not persona. This is like, you know, so Kat, you do this. I do this too, where, you know, I'm speaking on stage in front of people. I'm teaching classes. I'm, I, I'm a face in this community. And so are you. And yet everything, and even here, right? You know, we, we joke, we banter, we have a sense of humor. And yet right now we are still faces in this community. And so there's a certain way of showing up here that has a slightly different flavor than showing up when just the two of us are talking on the phone, of course, and, uh, or talking in, in a, a more intimate personal setting with anyone. And it doesn't mean that this isn't who we are. This is, this is completely who I am. You know, this is a, a huge part of me. And Kat, I know you're, you're fierce, embodied, asking, unfuckwithable, powerful self. Like that's totally who you are. And yet it's not the complete picture of who you are. And yet many practitioners who are in this kind of position of either, you know, being used to speaking or working with clients or whatever, there is this certain degree of protection in place. And that's really what it is, is protection. It is not necessarily safe for us to bring through the silly, bring through the vulnerable, either because it puts us in a, a, a personal position of vulnerability or because for, um, you know, in the case of working with clients, that's not necessarily appropriate to include in our client relationships of this degree of personal, uh, you know, getting to see all the silly sense of humor or the weird sense of humor, whatever the deal is. And so we're used to having these energetic barriers in place. It doesn't mean that we're not open to letting you in. It just means that it might be a little bit of a process to, fully expand into that yeah mm -hmm. for sure um and and just to kind of speak a little bit more on that uh one of my teachers and mentors um amazing incredible woman um you know i remember we would have conversations or i i would come to visit her i was living in portland and she was still in la um, at that time, and uh, I would come for a visit, but very rarely. So, but when I would come for a visit, she would just like she would just talk my ear off. Like I couldn't even go to sleep because I would just be like falling asleep because she would still be talking and she's telling and na 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 na. And really, a lot of it came down to that 
she was seen as such a pillar of this work that she was bringing through, this powerful teacher and guide and practitioner. And she had all of this information flowing through her that was so profound that she found that you know, people didn't invite her to potlucks. They didn't invite her to like hang out. They didn't ask her how, you know, what's going on in your life. Um, you know, they, they often would just come with their problems or what they're dealing with or, or where they're at. I mean, you know, we have a tendency to become the healer, the practitioner, the caretaker in a lot of our relationships. And I think it's one of the reasons that we uh, keep ourselves a little bit more separate is because then all of our relationships all of a sudden become work where we're disseminating information to people. Um, and so I think in that is maybe the opportunity for all of us practitioners and otherwise to be a little more open handed and hearted towards those that maybe even we see as our, you know, people who are, I don't know, whatever it is, they're the mentors or the teachers or the guides of the community that they're people too. And like, you know, you can treat us like people. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And go, going to game nights and doing, you know, normal human things. That's a thing too. Um, from the, oh, let's see. I want to talk about, uh, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, you know, with oftentimes we end up being the healers or the, um, the teachers, practitioners in our relationships there's the kind of the light side and the shadow side of that. So the light side is healing and teaching obviously takes place in any relationship in over the course of a relationship in either romantic or friendship, etc. But looking at, is it the default? Is it the primary function of the relationship? And I admittedly have had some of these happen or, or I've been on activation dates. Kat, you and I have talked about this where we'll go on activation dates with someone who maybe there was a, a connection or a spark or something. And then over the course of the date, it very, it becomes very, very clear that whatever the attraction was there was some thing in them that needed to be catalyzed. And then, you know, you just end up looking at it like, okay, I'm not going to date you, but here, yeah, let's talk about your mother. And like, okay, you have this big revelation and now you go off and heal your relationship. Like, great. Thanks for dinner. Nice to meet you. And, and this is really important. Like we can't gloss over this because I have seen this consistently. I know for myself so many times I've seen it with you, Michelle, I've seen it with my other practitioners and you know, especially, Here's one thing. If you're not fully doing your work also in the world, you're going to come across this even more because the work has to move through you. So it's going to find an outlet somewhere. Um, but even if you are doing your work in the world, it's going to, sometimes going to happen where you are. And sometimes you'll have periods of time where it's like, are you kidding me? Like everybody else gets to go and be in a relationship and I'm here on activation duty where I'm like turning on people's abilities and opening them up shamanically and giving, you know, them healings and their, their life has changed and they're running out the door. And, and I know I've heard it from you. I've heard it from me. I've heard it from other people, this experience of like, why me? Like, am I just destined to be this like healer running around helping these hot 
beautiful people to become activated and I never get one. Like, what about me? Why don't I get a relationship? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's important to feel into those and really, really be honest with yourself of like, oh, okay, this is what this is. It's okay. It doesn't mean I'm never going to have a relationship, but this is what's happening right now. Okay. Am I signing up for this? Am I not? Um, and you know, what are you, what are you, what are you signing up for and being honest with yourself? So Mm -hmm. absolutely. Sometimes it takes really being honest with that other person sometimes in a, in the kind of way where, you know, I don't know if it's like, I am here to heal you, but you know, just, you know, being honest with the fact that maybe this relationship isn't going somewhere if they're feeling something that you know is not true. Yeah. Or even, I mean, I've, I started, it's funny, as soon as I started doing this, I, I got a whole lot less of it. So I think there was just putting the, um, the awareness of it out there, you know, with people expressing interest in me. And then, you know, we get into conversation a little bit more and I realize, like, oh yeah, they're interested in me for my work, you know, even though they think they're romantically interested. And then I'll say something to that effect, like in a very kind way. And then it's like, they're, they're gone after that, either because they pointed it out or they didn't realize that that was the case or something. And then it's like, yeah, peace out. All right. That's what I thought. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I think, um, I, I feel called to talk about patience a little bit on both sides. Of it. Oh my gosh. Right. Because for the, the spiritual practitioners or the energy workers and the non-practitioners or the non-energy workers, there will be times when you don't understand what the fuck the other person is saying. And there will be these moments where you're totally crossing wires and having like, but, but this is the way that the thing is. And they're like, okay, but this is the way that the thing is. And, and even though there can be so much love and compassion there, sometimes you're just not going to see eye to eye because you're coming from these different filters. And being patient with yourselves, being patient with each other is vital. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, my partner and I, we've had some, some definitely arguments around some esoteric stuff where I'm like, this is the way that it is. I am telling you, this is the way that it is. And he's like, I don't believe that that's true, you know, and Uh, This is what I see and this is my experience. And, uh, you know, there's that that part of us inside that's like, oh my gosh, well, how can I be in a relationship with this person who doesn't believe this thing? Like, and, um, and then there's the part that that can just have that patience and go, you know what, it is absolutely fine for them to believe whatever they want, as long as it's okay for me to believe whatever I want. And, um, to back off and be patient and be kind and maybe change the subject and focus on something else for a minute. And, you know, for me, I'm, I'm like, you know, the, this man that, that I'm with, he brings so much to me that it's okay if we don't believe every single esoteric spiritual thing to be, you know, exactly we all believe exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. I I also want to touch a little bit upon what are, um, so kind of like what are the important things? We we talked about some of the important things already, but 
for practitioners who are looking to call in their person, right? What are some of the important things to keep in mind for that as well? You know, so like so having someone around you who helps you keep your vibration high is really important. Again, they don't have to be doing the same work as you. They don't even have to believe the same things as you do. They don't have to speak the same language. But if they can maintain that level of curiosity and openness and support and you feel lit up, like you feel as though your vibration stays really high around this person, that's still a really good thing. Yeah, and in that same vein, someone who um, who doesn't... Uh, what is it? Um, sabotage you who doesn't, you know, sabotage, especially a, a lot of us have, you know, as, as amazing as we are, we have our own issues around uh, doing our daily practices. You know, I support coaches and healers and all of the amazing people. And I know that a lot of us have a lot of challenge on getting up in the morning, doing daily practice, doing our meditations, um, getting our work done, writing, doing, you know, we're self-employed by and large um, in a business where you're constantly having to get new clients and create new programs and put new things out. And, um, you know, it, it's pretty easy to get sidetracked. And so having someone who, you know, they don't have to be like, you know, cheering you on or, you know, doing practices with you, but somebody who doesn't give you a hard time, right? Who is like, okay, yeah, you're doing your morning practice. Great. I'll see you afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, who like can just, you know, be okay with the fact that you sometimes, and for a lot of us, we need to, you know, I do a lot of ceremonial work, which is like basically the whole weekend I'm gone. Um, or, you know, some of us are very involved in moon rituals or certain, uh, you know, ritual things that we're, we're committed to. And, uh, it, it's very helpful when we have someone who's like, okay, yeah, you're going to be on, on these, these occasions of, of, you know, whatever these rituals are that you're that you're part of or the spiritual community that you're part of that, mm -hmm. that they can support you being in a spiritual community, which often is very supportive for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any, any other direction that we want to take with this? I feel like, um, Next week, again, we're getting into more of the shadow side of this kind of thing. Yes. And, you know, just to like tip onto that shadow piece is for us to really be paying attention to our, you know, our own kind of wounded healer self in the relationships, you know. Uh, yes, uh, like, like I said, you know, to be looking at, okay, this person's just coming up and we're, we're working, we're dealing. But sometimes we have a tendency to become so focused on someone else and their healing and, the, you know, taking care of them. We're caretakers and givers and we can sometimes become so focused on that other person's experience and, and, and what's going on and our own shadow stuff uh, that we can um, lose our own personal, you know, center and focus. Mm -hmm. I think this is those people over and over again that are that that are that same person we're trying to save. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think there's, um, we covered a lot. I feel like, I feel like we're missing something though. And I'm not sure what it is. What are we missing? Maybe viewers, if, if there's anything that, any questions that you have, you can chat in. Absolutely. Let us know what, what do you want to know? Um, do we talk about boundaries? Not really. No, not really. That's probably a good one. Boundaries. It's a really good idea to have boundaries. And I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, that's, that's it. We danced around it. The cat, you not letting your lost in this other person because you are in tune, you know. So, hello, can you yeah, hear me now? To, now? Okay, hold on, let's just see. Um, I think you're probably fine now. Okay, repeat all of that about the boundaries and getting lost in people. Um, basically, I mean, to expand further upon what you said around getting lost in, and this is important for both sides of the coin here too. So for the practitioner, you know, the, the probably empathic, energetically sensitive to self, and also vice versa, you know, if somebody, um, you know, if you're partnered with a person who is doing this work in the world, you want to be a good partner, you want to be supportive, you believe in their mission, you love what they're doing, don't let that come at the cost of you maintaining who you are and what makes you super magical too, even in your, you know, in whatever way that expresses for you. So yes, of course, there's always learning and growing and maybe you're with someone who's sparking certain interest in you, but don't mean, don't let that mean that you stop devoting yourself to the things that you really love. So maintaining your energetic boundaries that way, maintaining boundaries again around, um, around, like you saying cat of well these are my boundaries i'm on you know still maintain that level of devotion to your practice still um you know keep your dates with your girlfriends or the guys night out or whatever the deal is because all of those continue to enforce and again this is applicable to any relationship not just this particular kind of relationship maintaining who you are and continuing to grow as your own individual person in addition to continuing to grow as a couple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, super important to be maintaining those kinds of boundaries and, you know, be willing to, to play, right. Be willing to share and explore and see what might be there for the both of you that you do have interest in. And, you know, like for some of us, we have a lot of trouble being seen and being seen as our most magical, powerful self. And when we can enter into a relationship with someone who sees us as our most magical, powerful self, who accepts that fully, who appreciates it and, and um, you know, encourages it and encourages that shining, then, then we've found something magical and it doesn't matter what they do or, or, you know, like who they are in the world in a certain kind of way. Um, that gives us permission to keep, you know, bringing our work and being who we are in the world. And that's really important for, for us because when we stop doing that, we suffer. And everybody suffers. Yeah. So 
But I think what we can distill out of this, we've given you a lot of really good, helpful ideas, but basically don't, I also want to talk about like, don't be attached to your person being a certain way, you know? So Kat, like you were saying, oh, we have the idea of, oh, I'm going to call in the person who is the perfect compliment to me in all of these ways. And they do this and this and this, and they're this kind of practitioner and, uh, or whatever the deal is. And then you meet someone who is absolutely none of those things. And yet still, supports you in being that most magical biggest most powerful shiny awesome potent version of yourself that you just feel great around that's okay it is okay yeah and we all have different skill sets you know we all are bringing different uh different things in um <clears throat> you know and one of the things i felt so supported this summer i had two retreats in in a row and i don't know what i was thinking um, but, uh, but my partner showed up and he built a yurt and a shade structure and this entire beautiful, magical experience for everyone. And he cooked and, uh, just took care of everybody for both retreats. And it was honestly one of the most, I, I felt so taken care of, so seen and so loved um, in a way that, you know, maybe if he was just another, like he was a practitioner like me and we were doing it together or maybe even teaching together or whatever, um, we wouldn't have shown up that way. It would have, it would have been different and wouldn't have been as nurturing and as, oh my gosh, so structurally, physically on the earthly plane helpful. Um, some of us really need people who aren't as spiritual as us because it grounds our energy. It keeps us operating in the human experience in a certain kind of way. And, you know, like the man that I'm with, he's very, he's rooted, he's grounded, like he's very of the earth. And, you know, that gives me permission just to kind of relax into that energy and not be so spiritually activated all of the time, um, which I've had relationships with people who are sort of in that vein and it can be quite ungrounding and exhaustive too. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. I, I feel like, yeah, I think we're good and we'll resume next week with the shadow, right? Yep. So next week we're going to talk about the shadow in the spiritual community. So predators, narcissists, sociopaths, uh, the the bad the bad apples, the you know um, the, gurus. the gurus, the shamans who are not in alignment. What we're seeing in our communities, uh, and what are we gonna what do we do about it? And so this is a super huge important topic that we're gonna. Uh, press into next week, I believe on Wednesday, right, Michelle? No, uh, on Tuesday at one o'clock Pacific time. Okay, so next week is still Tuesday at one o'clock. That's right. Oh, that's right. We moved it. Yes, uh, we are moving moving the live broadcast from now on, uh, unless otherwise noted. Still Tuesday, but one o'clock Pacific time. Okay. Instead of noon. <laughs> I forgot. And uh, feel free to reach out to us about this topic or anything else. If there are any topics that you would like to see us discuss uh, here, we are open to your insights and suggestions. 
We appreciate any communication that you want to bring our way via our Facebook page, Shaman Sister Sessions, our email, shamansistersessions at gmail.com. You can see all of our prior episodes on our YouTube channel of the same name or via, you can listen to them in your car, at your leisure, on iTunes or Stitcher. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Bye. Bye.